0: Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. Each week, we bridge the gap between science and in-the-trench experience or physique enhancement. I'm your host, John Jewett. Let class begin. Welcome, everyone, to the J3U Podcast. In today's episode, we are doing a Coach's Corner Ask the Coach. We have all the J3U coaches here, myself, and Corey Hagman Joseph Percher. And we have questions and then from all of y'all to answer just regarding our own personal questions, probably, or coaching. And so we're going to dive in. So ladies first. Corey. <laughs> <laughs> how's it going? I, I want to say, like, if you don't know Corey or Joseph, um, I've recorded individual episodes with them as well. So we've done, like, deep dives on their stories and them going into their knowledge sets. So. Um, but anyway, Corey, how's it going? <laughs> Where are you currently uh- at?
1: So I'm almost two and a half months post show. Um, I'm good. Um, I I think, I, I think I went through that period where I'm like, you know, I'm feeling, feeling better. And then you, you let food come up a little bit more, you let weight come up a little bit more. And then you're like, Oh, actually now, now I'm feeling better. Um, it was good because I mean, I think this really just this past week, I started to feel some of those adaptations drop off, like specifically with sleep. Um, that was one that during prep the entire time was disrupted, and um, yeah, I'm actually sleeping through the night. And then, I mean, two and a half months post show, that's not bad. Um, but it is like it's nice to to see that returning to normal.
0: So, how, how disrupted was it coming from?
1: Uh, how disrupted was it? Yeah, like uh, what was the worst?
0: Like I was waking up three, four times a night. And it was
1: a... So, it it started um, started like six, seven weeks into prep, and it was. 30 minutes to 40 minutes after I would fall asleep and then every hour. And that was pretty consistent the rest of the way through. So another eight to 10 weeks. Um, but yeah, towards the end, it was, I swear, it was 20 minutes after I fell asleep every single night. And um, even even after after wrapping up the season, it was still that way for gosh, that first month, it still felt so, so dysregulated.
0: That that is really disruptive. I know we got a question on. Too. and uh it i think that's a, a great telltale sign you know when you are fully recovered because i guarantee you, when you're waking up like every hour you're not in a position to build muscle right post-show so post-show <laughs> anabolic window no it's all catabolic sleep window <laughs>
1: so. there's no there was no rebound um from a muscular standpoint it was uh just, hey just survive, <laughs> just survive uh, stop starving. Yeah. But it, but it's good. I feel like, um, I feel like I'm out of the worst part of it. And uh, I think, um, even, even hunger, hunger signalings are starting to return to normal, which is, which is exciting. Cause I mean, um, yeah, I, I can't remember the last time that I'm like going into meals where I I'm feeling full and I'm the like, finishing meal and I'm like, Oh, I, I don't want to do that again. Like immediately. <laughs> cool.
0: and, uh, Joseph, I'm in. where are you at? <laughs>
2: Yeah, so currently I'm in the the midst of a, a quick kind of a mini cut, kind of cleanup, uh, you know, from a PED standpoint, cleanup phase. Um, we got to a point where he had to dial things back um, in a in a lawn massing phase, and not even really from a from a blood work perspective, everything still had looked good, even at kind of peak levels. Um, I just was a little bit soft, so, uh, needed to, needed to clean things up to kind of set up the next phase. So, um, I have a couple weeks left in that, and then, uh, we're going to transition back and just continue on the never ending quest to try to be big. So that's where things are.
0: You kind of have to like weigh in the the long-term mental aspect in the extended off season too, like to be like, Hey, two, two years, we're going to be like choking down food and like uncomfortable. It's like, man, there needs to be some, like, you know, breathers in there where you can have some relief too from the mental side to like persevere in an off season for that long. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah I was ready. I was ready for you, it. Were ready, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was ready. I think it was, uh, I think we had done like 26 or 28 weeks, something like that. Um, yeah, so it, it was a lot. Yeah, I was getting to the point where I was just kind of disgusted with my food all the time and, um, you know, you almost get to the point where you're so like full and saturated with food that your pumps go in the other direction. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I was. So I was kind of not burnt out, but just kind of ready for a, a transition of a, of a different phase to kind of freshen up both physically, mentally uh, clean up how things looked and then, you know, dive back in for another long go at it. Right on. And for me, I'm just you know two weeks. Post- yeah, what about you, John?
0: Yes, I am two weeks uh, post prep, ending my prep. So food's come up, kind of doing a, like a maintenance holding phase, um, brought PDs down just to take a break before making this transition to do like an open shift for next year so. Uh, food has slowly been incrementally increasing. And I, I don't have like a ton of, I wasn't that far into prep, but still I was far enough to where body fat came down to where sleep was starting to get impacted. And there's like some slight food focus every now and then. Food's fine now, um, but sleep I'll still wake up like one hour before the time I would prefer to wake up, and then the last hour is like uh, off and on. So usually I know when I'm when I'm back I'm like eight hours straight uninterrupted. So um, I need to, so I'm gonna over the next like six weeks just let body fat weight slowly move up a little bit to where I'll see that dissipate. Then I'll really push
2: forward into the next step push base. so john can i ask you side note how long are you giving yourself once you get into that next push how long do you have it mapped out for is it is it 20 24 weeks something like that
0: yeah it should be about 18 weeks um and that's going to just be also dependent on where, where body fat goes to true sure. It's through the holidays so i mean it might be a 12-week day this
2: yeah you're such a reckless eater
0: yeah <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so so yeah that's, so that'll that'll kind of dictate it and then how long i'll need to make sure i give myself the prep sure anyway um we'll get into our questions first question let's do it yeah let's go um we'll get one from heel with steel which is daniel <laughs> and Daniel's asked, out of all the levers you pull during a contest, break, which lever is the most underrated? So, just some context he's, he's talking about you know, sleep or nutrition or PDs or training, cardio, like all these different things that you can pull on. Which one is someone not using or getting the most out of or even recognizing that it is a lever? <laughs> Joseph, you're like, that interesting. Yeah, I thought right? this.
2: Yeah, this was a good one. And and Daniel's our buddy. So <clears throat> happy to answer this one. I honestly, if you listen to the podcast that I did with you when we talked about prep, just the, the biggest one, hands down, that I see consistently from one person to the next, you know, being exposed to helping more and more people through your platform, John. It's it's sleep in my experience, hands down. Um, it's just this forgotten piece of, of the entire puzzle. That's, it plays such a crucial role um, in both directions. Like if you're trying to put on new muscle tissue, sleep is going to be your best friend. And then if you're trying to preserve it and, you know, be really accurate with just pulling body fat off, sleep is going to be such a a huge role too. And um, I just think people, especially in this day and age of all the stimulus that comes at us all the time phones laptops tablets all these things we all need to be on social media um, people have just kind of thrown out the idea of setting a routine or or time aside to to prepare for sleep it's just like you're glued to this phone and then you click it off and expect that you're just going to fall right asleep like if that's you that is a genetic gift that you don't even understand that you have because for most of us like I know for just me personally, like I need dedicated time and like a somewhat of a of a little routine that's going to set me up to prepare this crazy mind of mine to fall asleep. Um, so I think, I think that's the biggest one. I mean, I feel like we can talk on sleep all day and we could talk about on fatigue management and all these other things. But to me, if I had to give one singular answer that is just so, um, underrated overlooked, however you want to word it, um, it's sleep. So for anybody that's listening to this, like I said, in either season that you have going on, um, kind of invest back into that sleep pattern and your sleep habit. Um, and there will be a tangible difference to your physique more so than adjusting any of the other, uh, aspects. I feel like you get a, a true tangible physical difference, um, in how you feel and how you look just from good sleep.
0: I know I like you're, you're like the busy-minded overthinker, which is a lot of us, <laughs> of course. So like, what what were the, the big things that you do now that help you specifically shut down?
2: Yeah, you have to, especially like working with clients and stuff and kind of making your own schedule now and everything we do is just on a, on a screen. Um, you need to set like a hard time for yourself of when your workday is over, which I've been, you know, I could come on this podcast and tell you I have all these great solutions and routines and all these things but that's not real life um, real life has happened especially when I was um, you know we had just gotten the opportunity to start with you on your platform and and my client volume was like higher than uh, anything that I had really ever even expected I was uh, I, I would leave it or, or pick at the work all throughout the day and then I'm up until I look up and it's 2 or 2 30 in the morning and I'm still on this laptop and it's like man, this is bad news. So I think just setting a time like, and in your own personal life, whether you work for yourself or what have you just set kind of a hard schedule for yourself, like you would for anything else. Like you get up and go to the work, go to work for nine o'clock every day. You're at the gym at six o'clock every day. Like you need to set a time that you're starting your wind down, like whether it's nine or 10 o'clock. Um, so doing that and then reading, like, uh, just physically reading books. I, I've always been a reader and I kind of have gotten away from it as technology has kind of taken over our lives and then putting that into uh, kind of fill that last 90 minutes or 60 minutes before I wind down, because it's like I find myself being like obsessed with having something because I'm, I'm used to having my phone. So replacing that with a book, it kind of has helped me kind of tire my eyes and, and get me ready for sleep. Corey, do you have any add-ons?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm really glad Joseph. I'm really glad you touched on that because I do agree. And I can say this prep is the first prep where I've prioritized my sleep recovery. And my, my answer to this question, honestly, was going to be fatigue management, which goes hand in hand with sleep. Um, it's sleep is very important and and different than managing stress. Um, whether that's physical or mental and, you know, it, um, it's going to vary client to client. Uh, one of the questions that we have on our intake form is, you know, how how do you perceive your stress on a scale of one to 10? And this is something that I've found with majority of my clients, um, whether lifestyle, whether in-season, off-season, their stress management is almost directly, their ability to manage whatever perceived stress they have is It's going to directly correlate with their success on any kind of program. Um, going to significantly make them think that the program is harder or that it's not very hard. And I, I think, um, I think whenever you're in a contest prep setting, you know, cause that that's kind of, um, how I interpreted this question is like, you know, when you're in prep, you, you really have to manage stress before you have to manage stress while it's manageable. And that's something that I think is important as a coach to be able to work with your clients on, um actively you know hey how how are you managing the stress so that um you know that that isn't that bad you know at the very beginning of prep when food is getting lower when cardio is getting higher what's your perception around this what are your uh, what's your internal dialogue because oftentimes i think people will leave stress until it's at a point where you can' not ignore it and it it's just in your face and it, it's it's a serious problem and maybe it is starting to affect you physically um, and it's presenting in ways that you're like, you know what I, I can't put this on the back burner anymore. Um, so I do think I, I do think going into prep at the very beginning and making that a priority and I, I know we say this about sleep hydration, training recovery, everything I mean it they kind of need to be prioritized as someone would diet training, um, cardio, they, they all need to be equal because they do have an impact. And if you go months without managing them, you're at best, you're leaving potential progress on the table. Um, worst you're being set back either, um, you know, literally through an injury or, you know, sickness, but I do, I do think a lot of people wait, until the end to be like, you know what? I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. And you know, what, what coach, what can we do to work on this? And it's like, no, that was something we needed to work on in the off season. When you wrote on your intake form, Hey, my stress is an eight. Um, we, we didn't need to wait until you were at a very low body fat. And, um, you know, I think that kind of even just ties into training and being able to assess, Hey, are, are you recovering appropriately in whatever season, um, is your volume appropriate? And if you feel like any part of your recovery isn't optimized, okay, well, you might not have the, the best solution, um, right then, but, but what are you doing currently to work towards finding that solution or what, what interventions are you trying? And, um, I, I think that's, I think that's a pretty important lever and it's, it's unconventional. It's different from the diet, the cardio, the, 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 PEDs, but I, I think it plays a role in uh, how you look once you're actually on stage.
0: I, I strongly agree with all those. And I think some some of the biggest issues for people not getting into contest shape is not having enough time and also not managing fatigue. So you're not managing fatigue, you're not gonna be able to push hard enough at the end to get into that contest shape that you need. But I think it, what, all, what all of y'all have said too, is that for one, these levers we're talking about, for some people, they they, ha- they don't even exist. you know. They, they're already not even on the table to be used because we should be addressing them like in our, our pre-prep phase. Like how many clients come in and be like, all right, cool, 16-week prep, let's go, coach. Like, oh, not 16 weeks out, but also um, you need to like establish a lot of things to a good position to even begin a prep. Like Joseph, you're saying like, people have booked out their day, then it's like, well, how much time do I have left for sleep? It's like, no, 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 pre prep phase. Let's position our whole day around making sure you're going to have enough of that sleep once you enter into prep. Because what happens in prep? More cardio, less time to do all these other things that you're filling in your day with, which is all that makes their day expands and then sleep suffers, which is pretty much our number one recovery tool. Because we'll see, like, if you have less sleep, like, You'll you'll lose for every pound you lose the, a smaller percentage of it is going to come from body fat, so you would be less productive losing body fat. Also, cortisol being higher will drive higher hunger hormone signaling. Like your prep's going to feel really really hard that way. And then too, like Corey, you're right. Like that same routine, if not manage around, what's your relationships like? What is your financial status like? Like people are prepping with the the rock bottom budget, and like it's it, like. I have, I have a person who <laughs> like taking a, like put all this stuff in her credit card, like supplements and all these things. Like, so after prep, it was a mess, but it's like, you're not going to position yourself in, in a good spot overall to even have a lever for sleep and stress management to utilize.
1: All right. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are, those are all really good points. And I, something I wanted to add on to is, um, even working with the client in that pre-prep period, uh, period where you're trying to figure out, okay, what are their expectations and do they have those resources to meet those expectations? Cause um, you know, this, this was from a different podcast um, a couple weeks ago where listening that, you know, it is your job as the coach to figure out what are your client's expectations and do they believe that they're realistic for what they're willing to do? Cause I mean, I, I, what you just said, like people will come to Joseph and I, and they'll say, Hey, I'm ready to start immediately. And I'm I'm actually very willing to be like, Hey, okay. I I challenge you. Let's, let's go through the checklist of like all the things you're going to have to do tomorrow. If you can do those and and your current structure, your schedule is going to allow for that. We can have a, we can have a discussion about it, but there's a, very, very small chance that you're going to be able to make that transition just like that. Um, and and if you expect to be able to to do this, um, to do contest prep at this level, it's not going to be something you kind of just do in the background. Like it's not something you can just get by on, on, um, you know, a, a couple hours a week, um, a couple additional hours in the gym. It's like, no, that's the, that's the foundation outside of prep, the prepping will only get harder the longer you do it
0: i came across a cool app it was called the headspace app um, yeah. it was it's, it's popular it's like a basically a meditation, meditation. App. And it'll like yeah, yeah. It, it'll like notify you throughout the day like you can set all kinds of things but it'll have like wind down one for sleep which most people don't have wind downs or it has like a like a daily morning like get your mind right perspective one um Pretty cool app. Like if you need something new, like, Hey, you need to do these things. It's a,
1: a nice reminder. Yeah, I,
2: I, something I, like that could hold you accountable. Sorry, Corey, go ahead.
1: No, 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 you're good. Yeah. I, I use, um, I think it's promodoro and it's like a, it's a timer and you can just like, it, I mean, it's the same. We all have it on our iPhones that do not disturb. And you just, mm-hmm. this one will like set the, your, your work mode for 30 minutes. And, um, I think, I think also I just set up the, it's the step above night shift where it's like sleep mode Yeah. where it, it like, if you set it to like 11 PM, if you're going to bed at midnight, like me, like a lunatic, then at 11, it'll like shut your phone kind of like halfway down. So it'll be like, are you you sure you want to log onto your phone at this time? Like you're supposed to wind down. You're not supposed to be like on Instagram on. It takes like multiple swipes, right. To like yeah
0: open up. Like I'm not quite ready. I know you're telling me to be ready, but (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. All those little things like we've, we've tons of access to things like that, that I mean, like if someone's struggling with it, I, I would just encourage them to, to look at things like headspace or, um, Joseph, I don't know if you use any, any apps like that, just to like time block, but like if they're, they're really helpful, especially if, um, if it's something it's consistent struggle.
2: Yeah. I'll have to check them out. I don't, I haven't used any of them, but they sound great. Yeah.
1: Are we,
2: We've covered that one pretty good. You want to move to the next one?
1: Yeah, yeah. What, um, which one are you thinking?
0: I'm thinking drugs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Always, right?
0: Yeah, if I, don't, if I don't bring up one on drugs with Corey, the drug expert, <laughs> we're, we're joking because Corey, like on her IG story, she's getting like all these PVD questions now. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, at uh, underscore my name, Milan. Uh, asked, can we do a cycle with only with orals without testosterone um, saying they have a, a fear of needles? So if, or would you want to start that on and jump into Corey, the this female is
1: perspective? Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, I would, I would love both of y'all's input here because I actually, I, I you know, when I was looking at these questions, I broke it down to different client situations where I've, I've had someone who, um, you know, was, was afraid of needles and, you know, that was a pretty firm boundary they set, which, you know, I, I respect, I think as a first time female PED user, you, you do have to feel out their comfortability. And I, I think it's really important to make sure that that communication is like crystal clear. Um, however, with that being said, like, I, I think I've had a few interactions so far where I, I've Actually, it's actually very rare that once I explain to a client who's, who's open to using PEDs, um, it's very rare that they continue forward with that fear um, because the education on it, I mean, like I just laid out, hey, here are your options. Here's the associated risk with using something that is an oral um, versus an injectable versus not exactly knowing if, um, if it truly is what you think. Think you're getting um, so you know I, I had this question um fairly recently uh primo or anavar and that's something that i know in the female PED module you're you you cover john um that it it really does depend you know if um if your primo is tested fantastic if it's not and you have access to farm grade anavar. I mean, you might consider um, going with the anavar in that case over something that uh, that you you aren't certain is uh, actually what it is. Now that that was one sub answer that I, I I don't know came to with this this question um, because this person also says without test. Well, there's also a case I can see to be made for someone who is PCOS who if they're already running higher than natural baseline levels if they're over 50, and let's just say they're very, very resistant to um, starting TRT, okay? Um, But they would like to leverage anabolic. Maybe maybe there is a discussion that can be had um, in their instance. If their levels naturally are right around 100 or even over 100, I, I, I would wanna look at our options, but that isn't gonna be the case for most people.
0: Um Corey, do you think with females that is the barrier to entry of choosing always Anivar? Is it the needle option or is it just that is the education that's out there? What's uh, offered?
1: From my my current clientele, I can say it's like la- largely, largely the education. And once I explain like, hey, here is why Anivar wouldn't be our first um first tool, they they're all about it. I mean, they're they're very understanding and it and it actually makes sense. And I think it offers that um reassurance of using a safer use model um that, that they don't even realize, oh, I I do, I do care about this and, and this is something well past the point of competing. I probably will end up doing anyway, just just to in, improve my health markers. Um now, yes, the fear of needles, I feel like is is one of the biggest barriers. Um and if someone's willing to, if someone's unwilling to discuss injectables even after the education, you know, even after we've gone through kind of that entrance counseling, I, if they're if they're still very firm I'm like no, Anavar is the only thing I'm willing to use, and I have no interest in restoring my test levels to normal, normal levels, not super phys- physiological. I would actually question, you know, I would also want to know, okay, what are their long term goals with competing um do do they have realistic goals and expectations but it it would kind of signal signal to me as a coach that's a little bit of red flag to still um still want to use Anavar um, even knowing the risk it it would tell me you know maybe there is a gap with trusting trusting me as a coach trusting um my recommendation and yeah, it's a, it's with, with females. It's um, I wish it was more straightforward, but I think that's why talking about these things and and putting out educational content. I mean, generally, I think the more we do that, the um, less chance of running into this um, in the future.
0: Do you want to just touch on Corey of why why would you choose Primo over Anavar?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, and this is is actually something that kind of does hit close to home for me uh, because I have a friend who I believe went through are, I guess, the, the reasons uh, Primo is um, at the dose that you would be taking Primo. I mean, you're, you're not taking a high amount, but because it is highly faked, oftentimes it's faked for a test. And if you're taking the equivalent dose in test, not only you, you 100% will virilize, you'll virilize so quickly. And a lot of these side effects for, for female users. I mean, I sure, some of them are reversible. Some of them can be managed. A lot of them aren't. Um, and, and the fact is like you have women who are just getting into the sport. They've been lifting a couple years. And, um, you know, I I have a girl I know who is 22, 23, maybe been in the gym two, three years. I believe what she was exposed to wasn't Primo um, she was told it was, and you can hear a, a very, very significant deepening in the voice. Not one of those, it's like, well, maybe, maybe she just has like, maybe she's was a little smoking a smoker. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Smoked a lot of cigarettes in, um, <laughs> those eight weeks, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it might make more sense to go with the Antibar in the case that you can guarantee it's antivar because, the dose that you would be starting at or that you should be starting at two and a half milligrams, five milligrams, that even if it, let's just say worst case scenario, it's not Anavar. Well, it's still at such low of a dose that you shouldn't be incurring, um, the same or it, nearly the side effects you would if you were taking 15, 30 milligrams of testosterone and, um, Yeah, I mean that you you can someone asked me, I think last week, how do you know if your source is good? You don't like there are sure, you can sure, yeah, you can assume, you can be told, you can get it from a lab. There, there's a lot of ways that you can just make yourself feel better, but especially when for female users, you you should assume, hey, there is a chance I'm going to incur these side effects. And if not now, I, I should still. Assume that I could. There is always that chance, and um, I think if you operate and you can navigate PEDs with that respect for what you're doing, what you're leveraging, you reduce the likelihood that you're going to end up with irreversible effects um, in your early 20s or in your first few years of of being enhanced. I'll
0: I'll, I'll add on like a, for, for females in regard. The uh, say the primo and anavar is 100%, we you know this is real on, on a milligram per milligram basis comparatively. Um, absolutely, like virilization is the greatest risk posed to female. However, with, with anavar there is a lot more acute risk that can come about because it is an oral, so you have the liver t- toxicity issue and not really with primo. So we see like rapid lipid changes. Um, within one week of five milligrams of air bar, you'll see HDL significantly drop down. Um, also, liver enzymes can be relatively fairly skewed. So in, in a, hey, I'm going to be using this for the X number of weeks, that's a good chunk of time with a fairly skewed liver and lipid profile versus and not, not posing that risk. And we see probably relatively they're about doing the same things in the body at a milligram basis. Um, I think... The other thing or what you see, like people using the Anivar, is a lot of like first time cycles are 10 mg of Anivar per day, which is 70 mg per week, um, which a lot of people aren't using 70 milligrams of Premovil per week. So that dosage is already like a pretty big jump up for, for a female to use. I think you made a, a great point though, should all females be starting with a TRT dose of testosterone? And, and that might not be necessary, So, but again, if you're gonna be using 70 milligrams per week of in-compound, you're likely gonna shut down the whole uh, HPO axis to where once you stop taking it, you're gonna have low testosterone, low estrogen progesterone. This will have to restart. So you're coming now from this real suboptimal hormone level back up and you're gonna see these fluctuations happen. If you're a competitor, that's the argument of like a TRT would would be in place. Um, But if you're already like hyper androgynous on a PCOS, with with high testosterone doesn't justify quite TRT but we just have to go off labs
1: from right and I I, oh I'm sorry I wanted to I wanted to ask because this was an issue that you helped me manage actually last year when we started working together um because I see this still now um DHEA is commonly that um that push from I, I would say coaches for increasing test levels, um, but there are a lot of there. There's a lot that goes on with introducing DHEA, um, and I I wanted to, I really wanted to get your thoughts on if you have someone who is adamant no no needles no injections, okay well, if their estrogen is not elevated, um, if their progesterone is is also within range would DHEA be a viable solution to increase test if that if that client is, you know, hey, I'm, there's no way TRT is happening, my test is low, I still wanna move forward?
0: Yeah, I think ab- absolutely so. Um, DHEA just isn't as, it's, it can be a little messier because it metabolizes into several different metabolites. One could be estrogen, but also testosterone. And so depending on how this person genetically for those enzymes that convert, might just have an increased in estrogen more or they might not have the testosterone rise that you might want to see. But it definitely is a route to go through. Um, something on that too is if you want to see if they're also having like high cortisol, low DHEA to begin with, and maybe that's why the testosterone could be lower. It might be indicative of just some type of adrenal insufficiency. Usually you'll see DHEA be more problematic with the adrenal aspect. Um, which would be address number one primary reason first, then consider the HEA. So it could be, but also we, you know, you have to consider there's other delivery systems for testosterone besides injections for TRT. Uh, you absolutely could do a testosterone cream. Um, uh, they probably have patches or they have. Um,
1: the beads, it's uh, another one. Yeah,
0: yeah, but- yeah, no, yeah. I mean, not, I, you know, I still prefer like, You know, for a female, you can do a sub Q injection. For males, we do sub Q injections. Um, So it's a fairly painless injection. A lot of people think like, "I'm gonna need this huge like harpoon," Mm -hmm. and it's really not the case. (laughs) Like the amount that you do, it's it's fairly uh, fairly benign and painless. So, but there are other other options available.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I know the I know the person that asked this question was definitely coming from the male perspective he's got a lot of female perspective <laughs> of, of that, that rationale. Um, but we can dive into the, the male rationale and why we wouldn't just do oral cycles without testosterone. Um, do you want, do you want me to kick that off? Just do you want to?
2: Yeah, no, feel free.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, so the main risk around any type of anabolic use for male, is going to be heart, brain, kidney function and, you know, posing stress to those systems. And one of the most protective hormones that we do have is estrogen. Uh, We see, you name it, um, nangelone, testosterone deployed with aromatase inhibitors. Anytime when there's a high anabolic load and low estrogen, we see increased uh, toxicity in the brain, we see uh, lipid abnormalities, uh, definitely can have, pose more issues to the kidneys. So estrin is this very protective hormone um, that we need in place from a longevity aspect. So when, when moving into using a higher load of anabolics, you want estrin present. So I asked, if you are going to take an oral, where is your estrin going to come from? That, that's kind of the one thing. And there's going to be caveats to that because there's orals that do aromatize. The next aspect, um around that is also what what do you do after the oral cycle? And this also isn't factoring in, thirdly, the longevity of, of, of the oral cycle. So what happens when you do take oral where you're going to shut down natural testosterone? Um, and then the longevity aspect is that you're only gonna be do this for four to six weeks, maybe. You know, you're gonna incur rapidly occur. Higher stress loads than a female would with a normal cycle because you're going to need a higher load uh, to bring about the changes that you do want to see. So health markers are going to get detrimented very quickly. So you'll have to stop. You'll have low testosterone levels. Then what do you do? Well, I'll do a PCT, <laughs> which is going to be take a, a long duration for a lot of times to restore those levels. You're going to have a big dip in hormone levels. Psychologically, it's already really challenging too. Um, then what do you do again? Well, I'm just gonna run more oral cycles. Okay, same process, same process. All that oxidation we've talked about in the brain, the heart, the, the kidneys, think about every system in the body exposed to this, the skin, testes. This one, why testosterone function doesn't always keep coming back up the same level because of oxidative stress to the testes. So you're gonna to get to a point where you're gonna require TRT. So the continued use of orals as a male leads you to a point to have to inject testosterone. So it's the same endpoint. So there's, there's that aspect, but also you're gonna see like probably a high risk of health detriment. Now going back to point one, where, where is your estrogen gonna be coming from? They had this same discussion like way back in the sixties because who wants to just inject testosterone all the time? Ah, problem solved. We'll have methylated testosterone, interdianabol. That is a mess, right? (laughs) It, it aromatizes into a, a a methylated estradiol. That's why you hold just a ton of water on it. And it's, it's not the same as the uh, normal estradiol you get from the aromatization of testosterone. It's just not a long-term solution. Can you imagine running D ball? Yeah, I'll do this for the next 20 years. No way, no way. It's not, it's not possible. So, um, but then say, like, oh, no, I'm good with that. Well, even then, 0. 0.23, it, it doesn't consider the longevity aspect. So I would consider, like, what you mentioned, Corey, is, like, we really need to consider what the long-term game is here. And if, if you don't want to pose yourself to that amount of risk, don't do it at all because you're all going down the same road of requiring uh, to inject testosterone anyway. So I would say use that as a start point. Um, we mentioned you can do subcutaneous injections with insulin syringes. It's it's pretty it's pretty pace. Like, I think your training is probably more painful than an injection with uh, an insulin. Oh, it better be. Would, it better <laughs> be. It better be. I mean, it, it's it's pretty miserable. Like a 29 gauge insulin syringe. Um, so I, that's what I would say. Like, it, hey, if you're hesitant on that, just really really wait and consider what you want to do long term in bodybuilding. Because I will say, once you start doing these oral cycles and you see that response. You're going to keep going. Like, oh, yeah. It's not like, oh, I just want to try it out and see if I like it. Like, you're going to like it. It's
2: phenomenal. That's famous last words. I'm going to do one cycle and then I'm done forever.
0: Just one last Um, Now, I get there's some guys that, you know, one, two years later, they're like, you know what, this really isn't for me. And I would still pose that testosterone is still more benign um, risk than using orals on and off and on and off. And so you still see people like after one two years you're still able to restore testosterone level to a certain level fertility to a certain level so um, I still think it would be the, the less detriment to health uh, I don't know I know that covered covered a lot of, a lot of ground uh, any any add ons or questions
1: Yeah no I I mean I, I guess something I I do want to add on because it's it's come up a lot Um, in these, these Q and A's I've done more recently, the uh, exclusive drug ones, they uh, a lot of, a lot of women, you know, have, have wanted to understand, you know, Hey, like what, if test is the safer route, uh, route, if that is, if that's something that I I should be on, why are coaches so hesitant to, to recommend it? Um, And I mean, I've been fortunate that I, I had people reach out who are very open-minded and they, they truly do want further their their education. So, you know, that conversation, um, I think is helpful, but I think it's still, there's a long way, um, that the female side of things, uh, has to go before, before it is acceptable to say, Hey, you know what, you're, you're not going to be able to manage, um, or even monitor serum levels. If you're, Taking Anabar. like I mean, that's not something you get to titrate. If you start incurring side effects, well, that that's the outcome. And if this is the only cycle you're gonna do, okay, well, that's great. But also now you've exposed resist, uh, risk to virilization. But you've also, um, if you're running anabolics, if you're using anabolics during a, I mean, even during a prep, you know, what is the actual return? Whereas, you know, when I need to take a step back and weigh out, what are the benefits of having normal test levels for someone who's also putting themselves in that same setting, the prep setting, you know, where cortisol is higher, it just, it, it seems very obvious um, that you would want things to be at least within the range that they're meant to be in. Um, But I I think just continuing to educate, I think that's going to, going to help kind of make that connection for for competitors, for clients.
0: That is a, that's a tough one to swallow, right? As a testosterone is a female. Cause it's, it's these hormones are looked very, at ad- like that's a male hormone and these are your female hormones. But truthfully, we have all three, just diff- different amounts, but you're right. Like say in a contest prep, your testosterone levels dropping down. Wouldn't it make sense to be that that's the hormone that you bring back up to keep it optimal, just like thyroid hormones dropping down or, um, you know, any of these other hormones you just bring them back up to optimal or if you're female that's that's lower like bringing that up just a little bit higher was still within the female range um and we've you know hit these points of like uh testosterone being you know you can get you know bioidentical allowing for those natural metabolites to occur we have good like we have the best long-term data on female testosterone at the physiological level showing um completely safe and, and no risk of viralization because you're within the physiological limits. We just want to keep you there and keep you on like towards the higher end. If you're like a competitor, right. Um, it's something you're able to actually test in labs. So if you went and got your serum labs pulled, you're taking three milligrams of testosterone. We can associate that with a serum lab value. You can't do that with any other hormone. Um, and so you can see your actual individual response from it. And also Extremely easy to get testosterone, and it's never really faked. It's maybe underdosed, which that poses even less risk to a female. Um, and we even have like elite level females to compare to. Um, I think it—you probably looked at just my lecture, and I'm like, what was it? I think it's like 30 percent of elite female athletes are, have levels that are close to like PCUS levels. Yeah. So I mean, there's a there's a clear advantage to having like higher testosterone levels as a female across multiple sports, higher lean body mass, higher performance endurance capacity. So from a, from a starting point, what's the first androgen you, you bring in as a female? You can, you can make a very, very good argument for testosterone. And um, that's actually was like with Renee, this was, um, was it four years ago. Like she had low testosterone and it wasn't even a thought of like, what's the first anabolic we should use for It just kind of worked out like, hey, we just need to like, you be healthy. And that, that was it. Um, and so, and then like, you know, credit to like Victor Black because he's brought a lot of this kind of thought process through actually into a framework. Um, oh yeah, testosterone being like the first one and having a very good rationale and argument for it. So, yeah. Anything else to say? Now I think we can, we can move on to our, Next nice yeah. question, um, which, which we'll probably do one more. What, uh, which one stands out? Maybe there's the backstage one. Well, we each
2: kind of, we each kind of picked one. So why don't you pick one? Yeah. You mentioned the backstage one.
0: Okay. I guess I'm, I'm leaning into that, right? Um, yeah. So at Petit Bon Home in Muscle, <laughs> it's IG's name kill killing me. Uh, any advice on managing... Backstage, uh, minutes, hours before going on stage, like, for, and someone else had asked about how many carbs backstage, so I kind of lumped those questions in, just, just overall together. But they're they basically asking like, how do you manage like when to eat, when to pump up, all, all of those components around mm-hmm. the backstage um, period.
1: I, I can start this one if I yeah, if Corey, go yeah. yeah. Um, well, this this prep, you know, what John, you and I were able to see is like there's a show I I went into where um, we were being a little more conservative, and then we realized okay for the next show we're gonna make it to where I'm going into show day truly waking up at like ninety percent capacity, and that ended up being a lot more favorable um, for the look we were trying to bring to stage. Now to do that to to make that show day seamless. That means one, know, knowing what look you're actually going for, having a fit, having having an idea, having a generally clear picture of, um, you know, how full do you want to be? It, it also means, um, being able to replicate that. And, you know, I think this season for me, it was the first time I was able to replicate a very consistent look, um, for several weeks in a row. And I think, especially for bigger guys who you are, you know, you, you, have to show like you, you, there is really no such thing as like a lot of guys aren't getting on stage flat. Like you have to be not just full, but, um, you know, towards that upper, upper end of, um, you know, how much you can handle. You can't try to fit that all in the day of the show. I mean, um, especially with the emphasis on keeping your, your waist tight and, um, even just the timing. I mean, like usually your male divisions you're going on pretty early. Um you want to be going to bed the night before in a position where you really don't have a lot of work to do the next day. um, But you still have enough room to modify that look if needed. If you wake up and for whatever reason that you're waking up different than how you have been waking up at, um, well, maybe you can be a little more conservative, but I, I would say like I've found a lot of success in not having a ton of work to have to do backstage um, that takes away the urgency it takes away the stress of not knowing how many how many meals do i need to bring with me actually backstage um i i really think if you have the look nailed and you know what you're going for um making sure you know you're on track the night before so then the morning of if you need one meal two meals okay three meals maybe you're burning through food at a really fast rate um you you have the ability to get that food in without having to slam it without having to do something completely different on show day
0: yeah well, I
2: yeah all oh, really good stuff yeah um i think your point about like the emphasis on waste control is such a big piece of all of this then because i feel like especially on the on the guy side i see a lot of stuff where guys almost uh like take pride or it's almost like a brag thing, how much they're eating the, the 36 hours or less before a show. And it just is another one of these examples. We could talk about it having, having gone through John's like, you know, peaking process. We could talk about all these different variables that people throw, you know, shit at the wall and see what sticks. They're throwing Hail Marys up in the final, you know, 24 hours before getting on stage. Um, So it's like, you know, they do this big depletion leading into it and then they want to cram in a bunch of food and it just, all of it makes all of these moving variables make it just that much harder to to nail it. So I think being in a good spot when you're backstage starts, you know, at three weeks out, like being, being ready at three, three weeks, two and a half weeks out, and then you're just kind of recreating the same look day after day. And finding at what moment, at what body weight, how many meals in, how much fluid in, how, what, what recipe did you put together that resulted in this final look? Like you, Corey, you made such a great point, like having that kind of ideal look already in your head, already cemented, like this is what we're going for. Because without that, you're kind of shooting for a moving target. You don't really know what you're shooting for. Um, so having... I can speak for myself going through it the way that John and I did it, where we just, you know, at three weeks out, we're ready. And then now we're just kind of finding the same look over and over. I I almost, I read this question almost as part of it, of course, like the X's and O's of when to eat and pump up, but also the way that they worded it, it makes me wonder like managing backstage, I wonder like how much they meant like the stress uh, psychology side of it. Which again, all these things that you mentioned, Corey, like we're talking about being ready ahead of time, having the look set that we want to, knowing what the recipe was to get to that look, all of that is going to instill confidence that allows you then to be calm and confident backstage where it's not a million different variables going on. It feels, I've been part of those peaks where there's all these different variables coming in, you know, do this with sodium, don't do this with water, do this, don't do this, do this and then pose for three minutes and then send me pictures. It's like, it's, it feels when you're in the middle of it, it feels like this big elaborate thing that isn't likely to, to nail where you want it to. Um, whereas like, it's such a contrast to what happened with you and I, John, where it's like, I brought a huge body pillow backstage and I just laid down like for most of my day backstage, I was just laying down and then I'd send photos when you wanted to see photos. And it's like even even before I got your feedback back, I'd be like, okay, our best look was, you know, 196.2 after this amount of water and this amount of food. It's like, okay, I know if that best look was after three meals, and I send you pictures after two meals, and I'm 194. It's like, okay, another meal and some fluid probably needs to go in. So it all becomes like a very um, predictable process when you set things up the right way. So I, I could even say that, being calm and, and managed backstage starts at 32 weeks out when you should start the whole pre-prep process. But, um, I would say just, it's such a know, take Corey back
0: of kn- control, right? Like
2: Corey, Corey nailed it. Yeah. It's, and like, we're all such control freaks being in this industry that you want to f- control that level of control gives you confidence. So that's, uh, if these, this 10 minute little rant here is, is there's any takeaways. It's just, having that kind of set look and knowing what it takes to get to that set look set in stone for you ahead of time, it's going to instill a lot of confidence. And then a lot of, um, a lot of just calm that you'll be able to have backstage, which of course, then we know leads on to being on stage and being composed and, and physically looking your best.
0: Yeah. I think just the backstage area is, can be just a, a, a shit show of uncontrolled. <laughs> the the okay. environment, you can't even control the environment when you're also in a, in a variable system that's uncontrollable as well. Like if you pull the lever on diuretics, fluid manipulation, the sodium, and then you have a coach that's you're trying to get good quality picks to, and then that's kind of shiny. And then, oh, the show's pushed back an hour. And now you have this really dynamic system that's like, no one can control that. It's it's a mess, and that's when people can can really miss because they're not having that predictable look that they've kind of already established. And I think from a coaching yeah. side, I know it's all visuals, but the scale is is pretty helpful. Once you're peeled, um, you're not going to look vastly different at say one ninety six versus one ninety six at a different time. Um, right. You know how how's that work? Oh, you're super soft now at one ninety six, but before you're Hard at one base. It's like, no, no, this is this is pretty good information. Like, and, and I think using the scale is really helpful tool as a coach. I used to never do that. Um, it was just like here, you know, just off how you look. Like, we don't go. It doesn't matter what we and, and true, true, yes, that is. Um, but in, in something that we can gain some control back in a very uncontrollable situation like backstage, um, I think it does make you land that predictable look. And Times when I've had a mess backstage is when I, I don't know what's going on. And that's how I kind of read it. Like that a lot of times backstage I felt this way out of loop. And um and I, Man, I that's the no worst
2: feeling. There's not at, a worst feeling that you can have.
0: You know, and at those times I was using approaches that were all over the all over the board. Like I didn't know, I didn't couldn't understand <laughs> it. Like it's just it's it's hopes and and dreams and prayers or whatever. So um you know with going into the, like the backstage area i would say like be very try to be close to the stage when you do set up that way you yes. have an idea of who's actually going on or if you have like a friend or family member that's close that's out in the audience like texting like all right th- these this is who's going on right now because the expediters are always always inactive they're telling you to pump up, like, glaze up. It's always
2: so early. It always so early. It's an
0: hour, it's like, a, seriously, an hour before you actually need to do it. And then you're all, like, pumped up, and it's all faded away, and you all dry. You're like, all right, I guess I'll go out anyway. I did this by, like, second show at the Texas State. There was, like, a, a, a weight room, right, with weights and stuff in it. Then they're like, pump up, everybody pump up. So we're like, oh, you know, pumped up. Then they move you into another room, which I thought would be, you know, where you go out on stage? What well, was this huge auditorium area? The feet, the floor was ice cold. The blowing cold air, and there was five lines of guys. Like, oh no! Like, <laughs> forget it. Pump way gone. Like, and I, you know, I had like used water in this show too. So, if I had just like, like, I'm gonna walk out and see where the stage is and what's going on. Oh man, I would have had such a better idea. Um, other, other tips, like, in that regard since that show is, like, I always wear, like, sandals or my socks, <laughs> like, till I walk out on stage um, to keep my feet warm, because in case there's, like, it's cold back there, because you'll lose a lot of feet, a, a lot of uh, heat added, added of your feet. Uh, so um, just don't walk out with socks yeah. on, of course. Uh, so that's, like, been one thing that I do. Another issue, because I've always, I've gone out with, like, looking, like, I forgot to put posing oil on, which is, like... Then you get the the criticism, right? Like, John, duh, put some posing oil on. It's like, dude, I had it on, it dries up, and right away, you know. So, I'll bring my own oil back there and pay hey, pay for whoever you work so hard, like, pay for someone to come back there with you and stand in line and fucking glaze you up. Like, Renee and I, when we compete together, we're like spraying each other down with like, you know, glaze. So you walk out there and make sure you're like your posing oil is good because that is the one thing that is kind of uncontrollable right um you we can nail the look but if you don't have oil on like that could be a detriment so th- those are at least like two things um that come I, to mind
1: I, I was gonna add on to that just because it's um for bikini wellness like i've experienced that too where i didn't get glazed um i got glazed too early so i mean yeah. like by the time i got on stage it, i mean patrick he texts me he's like you didn't put any oil on like what what are you doing like you're the only person up there who looks like dry and um i mean my i guess my tip like that if you're having um the if you're using your own great but if you have the tanning company um if they're backstage I mean like communicate with them and tell them like hey on your glutes on your shoulders like if you go and get them to do you like take a look after a couple minutes like if your body's soaking it up don't feel bad. go back up to them and be like, hey I'm I'm sorry I'm I'm really dry like do you mind putting a little more on me like you like John said like you work so hard to bring this look to stage and if you're finding that like hey your skin is just soaking it up like don't don't feel bad asking like for asking what you want asking for them to uh put a little more on you or going back repeated times. I mean, I think for my pro debut, I think I went back five times before. We actually got on stage because it was line up okay wait okay now we're gonna do something else okay went back I literally ran back and I'm oh hey I'm sorry but just yeah like take uh those extra steps but I yeah I'm I'm sorry I how I read this was very much like how do you like related to the carbon take and like how do you plan how much food to bring with you backstage and I my first thought it's kind of Joseph you you said it it's like well if you have the look already nailed there shouldn't be a ton of work to have to do like in that hour backstage and i you know to your point like it starts with your timeline so it technically starts prep week one which technically starts in the pre-prep phase of like okay well where where do you need to be and at what point do you need to be there
0: no no your 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 answer is, is right on because a lot of people think the magic's gonna happen in the last meal before you get on stage it's like if you yeah. your timing of your meal, say it's a train day and your timing of your meal was like a little off, like of eight it 30 minutes before it's like, oh, well, oh, I'm not gonna get a pump at all day, like nothing's gonna happen. It's like, no, like if you're hydrated and, and like you have a reasonable amount, like the timing isn't gonna really matter. If I'm eat my meal like an hour before I go on stage or 90 minutes before i go on stage, like this won't be a, a, a game changer for me, you know? And that's how it should be for your peak week, but um people usually are doing the extreme protocols of, of manipulating water or, or, or diuretics to where the food that they do eat, which normally would have worked just fine, doesn't work anymore because they're in a position where they can't stay firm. Um, and that's a lot of times the, the problem. So it's
1: yeah, finding
0: finding the predictable look before, right? Uh,
1: John, I, I have a follow-up question. I know we're we're kind of hitting that hour mark, but I, I figured I'll I'll ask it because okay. it's um, so how would you, how would you advise someone or what, what would you say to someone who, you know, you can tell is nervous to drink on show day, even if, you know, let's say that's what y'all been doing and, 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 you know, Hey, like this is your best look and you assume, Hey, they, they should know this, they've seen it, but, you know, come show day um, that you, you can tell they're hesitant to get in enough fluid because it's the first time they've done it, or it's different than every peaking approach they've taken
0: yeah that's that's really is the coaching aspect of the psychological side and with any of those moments you just have because it's emotional based right what's driving that and so trying to show the, the logic without the emotion is usually how i would go so i usually operate all logic and no emotion robot right (laughs) i'll say as
2: someone that's super emotional and like an overthinker and all these things someone that's worked under john it works it works big time i'm like oh he's just telling me matter of factly this is what we're doing and and this is the reasoning why like my even with how insane i am my brain has no response like you told me everything that i needed to hear and i'm just going to shut up and listen
0: yeah if, if you i think if you really lay out the logic and rationale like you're almost debating someone, right? Not, not in a sense way, but in, in a way to where that you really like, wow, I, I just, that makes so much sense. I can't even argue. So it's like yeah, it's going The answer back, is
2: undeniable. Yeah. It's
0: like going back. Okay. Hey, this, I can't drink this water. Like it's not going to be a good look. And show like these are your picks now. These are your picks like a day ago when you had that amount of water and your body weight came up. This one came up <laughs> to like a pound up. That was your best look see how you look here do you want to go on stage like that oh hell yeah absolutely okay well, we need to bring body weight up to here and have that same amount of fluid you had the day before to make that happen do you think not drinking water is going to grip you the same look that we know that already did that because we're rolling the dice now you're like well, yeah. i don't know can you argue against it and that would that would be a hard hard case to make so i, I think laying out that logic I mean, if you have to go to streams, like showing pictures, these are the pics of when we had water in, you look awesome here. I think it's the time as a coach, like you hype them up and make them feel really good and excited about, yeah, yeah, like that's exactly, my looked awesome. Like I had water, yeah, water's awesome, like HTO, <laughs> and then uh, you put them on stage like that. So I think that, show them the logic, get them hyped up about the look, the hydrated, striated yeah. look, and i it
1: that way. I wanted to second what Joseph said, like your approach, um, for me this season was incredible because I, I, Joseph, I'm the same way. I, I overthink, um, I, I am very emotional, but working with John and having, like, you can't be emotional when someone's presenting you logic. That is, you can't argue it. I'm like, Irrefutable.
2: Yeah. I
1: have 24 days of pictures to support what this guy's saying. Oh, all of a sudden I know better. No, like I'm just nervous. That's, That's the reality. But I I think that nervousness is, is the case for a a lot of both male and female competitors who they've never tried that approach, that predictable approach.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For me, one example too, like your question was a perfect example of something personally that I had always struggled with, like was the, was the water thing at the, at the very end. Like I've, I worked with some old school coaches. I did prep by myself. And like, I just had, for whatever reason, convinced myself my best look for show day was like basically zero water and like, just try to swallow down as many like dry carbs as you, dry carbs as you could. Um, And then, you know, I'd like, we talked about, like I've talked about ad nauseum, like John's process where it's like, Hey, we're ready at three weeks out. Like start sending me photos every day with your weight post-workout and let's see what it looks like. And it took like maybe a week of doing that. Where John pointed out, he's like, you are like notably better after you're hydrated and full of food and water than you are first thing in the morning. I had always just done picks fasted and you see them and you're like, oh yeah, this is this is, I want to look like this. Like this is this is dry. Um, and then you just go about your day and assume that it's all lost from that point forward. And then, you know, John has me sending picks three meals in, a gallon of water in, eight thousand steps in, whatever, after a workout. And it's like, Yeah, I would sign on the dotted line right now to look like this on stage in three weeks. So I'm just going to do whatever whatever led to this.
0: You know, you get the clients that they'll send pics You're like, they'll send their fast. Like, these are terrible. Like, if you saw me at the gym, like, that's how I really look. And I'm way better leaner than what I really am. And and there's truth to that. It's like, hey, for a coaching perspective, we just want consistency to see like, you know, these things. We absolutely should be having like, seeing your clients at other times a day and other lighting because a lot of times that them saying like i look way better at the gym that's maybe close to the stage look that you might want them having to go out um, because if they're like full they have a pump they look they look more conditioned it's like yeah there's there probably is something to that now do i want to assess them for a coaching aspect around that no no not for, not for changes because that varies right with, with training like training legs today so upper body looks super right. flat or something right um so yeah you know i
2: I,
1: I agree. I, I think it also aids in teaching their eye. And that's something a part of my programs right now. Um, I, I ask clients like, Hey, what do you see? It's not so much the check-in pictures that I, I need you to analyze when you're getting out of the shower, when you're in the gym, like those day-to-day things that I'm not going to necessarily infer from your weekly pictures that are consistent. What do, What do you see? And let's assess if that's to what I see, or if that's a little bit different. And I think that information, it's useful not just in season, it's great in off season too. Um, it it kind of gets them to to think about, okay, you know, how much of what they're feeling about their body, how much of that is objective. And I think that's really useful when you're trying to teach someone to be able to not necessarily coach themselves, but you're trying to teach them to trust what they're doing and trust their own eye.
0: No, I think that's that's a great aspect because you're building autonomy. With your clients and, and one of the, the big drivers for motivation for your clients is so they do have some level of, of autonomy and feeling like they have some control and direction in the decision process and if they're, they're more educated in the process they'll be able to get better biofeedback and they'll have a more enjoyable sustainable process in bodybuilding. I'm actually learning a little bit I know like some coaches are just adamant on not not yeah. teaching. But go to any other sport and there is a teaching aspect that has to happen. Um, so if you're like, oh, here's your diet food, go, go in the, your training, like just go do it. Don't ask questions. Um, I just want to be the coaching approach for me. I've done that. And uh, by it being a self-learner, you kind of pull out the feedback and learn. But you have, have a coach that is able to pull that out for you and learn. Because if you're like, man, my, co- my, my clients, they just are terrible at telling me what I need to know. It's like, that's your job to help them know <laughs> what to tell you. Like, it's not just like day one, you know what to tell yourself on, on biofeedback. You, right. have, you have to teach your client that. And that's part of the, the coaching process and building the autonomy.
1: Well, and even if what they feel, cause I I've experienced this, I think with you and it's been incredibly helpful. It's important that I communicate something even if it's not correct, even if I'm wrong, I need to be able to communicate it because how are you going to know that's what I'm thinking? How how will you know from your client that's their their reality, their belief is like no, I'm 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 looking I'm looking better or I'm looking worse. If you don't know where their headspace is, it's it's really hard to give that guidance. But yeah, I, I completely agree. I think the teaching aspect, I mean, it, it builds a lot of confidence, and um, it's not as straightforward as people want it to be it it takes some digging it takes some unconventional questions and and even just from the very get-go you know having that dynamic where like hey no question is is dumb it's okay if it feels dumb but like let's talk about it and if if it's fundamental maybe I can provide you with additional resources but yeah that I think the experience for both parties is going to be a lot better when you feel like the person who's coaching you wants you involved
0: yeah I don't remember, okay, I'm going to keep dragging this one off but uh, another aspect is don't assume that because I mentioned about a beginner but also don't assume even someone at a high level necessarily knows what to tell you uh, I was yeah. coaching like a WPD pro and we were on prep and so i like how do you feel like fatigue wise and I went through a few things she's like was just completely taint," and she's like well this is how my last preps felt that's just how prep feels I'm like ah no, <laughs> that's not how this is felt. bad. <laughs> how, how it's <laughs> yeah. that's how it has felt before. So that was their baseline of this is how prep's supposed to feel when to me, it's not. It's like when you get the feedback of like training's good, it's like, what what does good mean? To you, good might mean something way different than it does to me. So you have to kind of like pull that apart to make sure like they're on the same page feedback wise with you. But you're right. If you never ask, will not ever know <laughs> so uh all, having having like a comprehensive assessment for your check-ins is, is really important having those conversations yeah well maybe we should wrap up there
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that sounds cool. good i know we, we covered a handful of questions but we can definitely do another one with uh, the other ones we got
0: yeah well that sounds good and uh, for anyone listening, if, if y'all are interested in being coached by one of us, uh, I'll put the link below, but j3university.com, we have a page just for all the coaches to submit an application, so y'all can check that out. Um, any questions that you have for us, you're welcome to leave. If you're watching YouTube, you can leave them below, and we can put that on a list. We already have a long list, but if, we, if there's a great one, we, we'd love to, to answer it for you all, so. Anyway, anyone listening, appreciate y'all tuning in, and thank you, Corey, and Joseph for coming on. Later, everybody.